Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you today? It's a very good day. Nice and sunny out. I'm looking forward to getting outside. Um, and big news, my parents are in um, seniors care here in Alberta, in Edmonton, where there's hardly any spread of the disease anymore. And, and they've all they've been locked down, everyone in seniors home for months now, and they're finally able to get out to visit people. So I can't tell you what a relief that is for me. And for I'm sure everyone who's got a loved one in seniors care, they can finally see them uh, in a safe way. So big moment. Yeah, that's got to be mammoth. Very hard on people, this whole thing, you know, on so many levels, it's hard. And uh, being cooped up uh, for the elderly people being cooped up like that in their rooms is just really hard. They live in the same home together? Yeah, my parents are together. Same okay. apartment. Well, it's independent living, you know, like with right. some with care. Well, they, got a, they got it better than, than some people do. You know, at least they got each other. In the, and Yes. Uh, you hear of these cases, sometimes cases where both, uh, seniors wind up in care, but in different facilities, and that's brutal. So, yeah, that's that's common. Bruce, um, we are going to talk about COVID-related stuff in terms of the likelihood of Edmonton being chosen the site. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, NHL.com picking Leon Dreisaitl as the MVP. We'll talk about the Oilers' likely 28-man plus goalies roster for the coming NHL playoffs against the Chicago Blackhawks and what the odds makers are saying about the Oilers um, in that regard. Let's let's actually start there with the odds makers. Okay. Um, they, the, both the, the Vegas odds makers that I looked at, I think they're Vegas, they're online betting services, both had the Oilers um, ranked 11th out of the is it the 20, 24 teams right in the playoffs? 11th out of the 24 mm-hmm. teams in the playoffs, which I thought Bruce was low. Um, of course, they're they're um, setting the odds. Uh, they're using lots of math, lots of analytics, and they're they're also trying to draw in bets um, with their with their odds. But um, when I look at the Oilers, Bruce, uh, I look at them as two different teams this year. One before Yamamoto and one after Yamamoto. After Before Yamamoto, they have actually in December not one functional line because McDavid and Dreisaitl are not playing well. After Yamamoto, they have at least three functional lines. They've got uh, strong depth on defense. And so in, in the, the post that I did on this, I looked at which teams act, uh, essentially from December 31st on, which was Yamamoto's first game in the NHL, what was the what were their winning percentages after that? Because I think that gives you a much better idea of this current Oilers team against the rest of the NHL. Uh, and that that Oilers team was missing Connor McDavid for seven games in this stretch. They played thirty games. The Oilers did, and they had um, a points percentage of zero point six five zero, zero point six five zero, which was the sixth best points percentage in the NHL in that time. So I would say it's fair enough to rank them as the sixth, sixth best, sixth most likely team to win the Stanley Cup. Although the this five teams ahead of them would be obviously more likely. And those teams are Tampa Bay, Boston, and Philadelphia mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference. And only two teams in the West, Colorado, 
which had a 0.677 winning percentage in, the, in that stretch of January, February, March, and the Colorado Avalanche, 0.677. And so again, the order's at 0.65. So just a little bit, just incrementally behind both Colorado and Vegas in that last stretch of the season. And the next best team in the West was Dallas at 0.586 uh, points percentage, which is significantly below, below the top three teams and will play into some people's hatred of Dallas being rated higher than the Oilers in the first round of the playoffs. Dallas uh, entered the playoffs on a six-game losing streak, that Dallas. It's nice to see. But it's assumed that that they're going to win their next two games and overtake Edmonton. (laughs) I have to drink. I don't like it, David. So, Bruce, what I just think... I, I don't know. Like, am I am I not getting something right here? I I think the Oilers are. Listen, they're they're one of the. I I say they're one of the top. I think this is the best way to look at it. The most accurate way to look at it. They are. They should be considered heading into the playoffs. One of the three teams most likely to come out of the West, and it's a dead heat between those three teams. That's how I see it. I think that's the, that's the fair way to look at it. But that's not how Vegas is seeing it. How do you see it? If I was doing the odds, I would rate all of the buy teams basically above everybody else, and because they only have to win four series, you know, oh, they only have to flip point. the coin four times instead of five. So I bet you'll find the ten teams ahead of Edmonton are the eight buy teams plus maybe Pittsburgh, and one of the other high eastern teams that's, uh, you know, in the in the uh, uh, in the play-in round. So the Oilers are probably ranked three a third of the sixteen teams in the playing round. Well, Nashville's ahead of them. Yeah. Nashville, they're Nashville's ahead of them. Uh, Pittsburgh is ahead of yeah. them. Okay. But why Nashville? Um, because the punters like Nashville. I mean, part part of the laying of betting odds is where they think the betters are going to go and where they think you know. Well, Nashville people have a high opinion of the Preds for you know a number of years of being a strong team. They're gonna uh, they're going to be a, um, a popular bet regardless of you know team strength. I mean Edmonton mashed the Preds three out of three games this year. So I mean in our experience we see the Oilers uh, the Oilers better than. Nashville, at the same time, Oilers got mashed three out of three times by Minnesota, and I think they're probably uh, odds are below Edmonton. So, I mean, the, the in-season games tell us something, but not everything. But uh, that, It is a good point you make, Bruce, about the extra round of the playoffs. So there's oh, it's play, huge. and it's their, your huge. odds of winning go down. Consider, you, know, you know, let's say that the, the Oilers have 60-40 chance of winning that first mm-hmm. series, or 70-30, I would say. Seven mm-hmm. out of ten times, I think the Oilers would beat the Hawks. Probably eight out of ten times, eighty mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, I'm I'm more concerned about the just the longer term toll. Fair enough. The extra series. St. Louis only had a zero point five eight one winning points percentage. Excuse me, points percentage, not winning percentage. Zero point five eight one points percentage mm-hmm. um, after in the in that stretch of thirty games, thirty one games for them. And of course, you know they have the the, the terrible thing with Jay Bowmeister. They're going to really miss that player. Like he's a hugely significant player. Although St. Louis has a lot of depth on defense too, but um, I don't suppose it's something that the extra layoff is going to cure. Uh, I'm, I'm I have my doubts. I don't think Bowmeister in the league I think, again. I think that was his word, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, that he 
made it pretty clear that he's not expected to be an NHL player again, although wow. never know. So, uh, so I'm saying Vegas has it wrong. You're saying maybe they they're kind of got it right. Well, yeah, I mean they're 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 not dummies. I know that they're laying odds against the gamblers. And they, yeah. They're trying to sort of anticipate where the money's going to go, and if they balance it right, they make money no matter what, right? So they'll 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 overrate a, a, a team like the Leafs because they know that there's lots of gamblers that like the Leafs and will put more money on them than they deserve. The Leafs uh, are twenty five to one, and the Oilers are twenty five to one. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Leafs aren't nearly as good a bet as the Oilers. <laughs> just kidding, Leafs fans. Just <laughs> kidding. They're not, though. Not even close. Um, Vancouver, 40 to 1. Uh, Arizona, 50 to 1. Calgary Flames, 50 to 1. Wow. Bruce, the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. I think the Jets are 66 to 1, if I'm not mistaken. That is a tough series for both teams right out of the hoop. And I love that. I love that those one of those are going to knock, knock each other out. Good stuff. So those are two tough that used, to, that used to happen in the 80s, and the Jets used to beat the Flames, and then they could never beat the Oilers. It was great. <laughs> two times. I think 85 and 87, Winnipeg took out Calgary in the opening round of the playoffs and then got swept by the Oilers in round two. So, Bruce, let's go to the 28-man roster plus goalies issue. Mm-hmm. Any, so, the, so the Oilers can have... You have this huge inflated roster because presumably if if a player gets COVID, they're going to have to sit out for two weeks. Yep. And there might be other players who are also infected. They'll have to sit out. Whoever gets it's going to have to sit out. So you could lose three, four, five players. Right. Um, it's a fair, it's a very infectious disease. So even with the um, measures they're going to put in place to to, to have that not happen, it, it could happen. So they're going to have these massive rosters. Um, well, it's playoffs anyway. I mean, play, playoff hockey is anyway. an infectious disease in its own right. And you need to have subs on hand, especially if you're going to be in a bubble. Like we, we've been talking about taxi squads on and off here for a couple months, you know, since it, you know, since all this has come down. And so the, the league has acknowledged that by uh, apparently uh, agreeing to assuming the Players Association is on board and everything. 28 skaters on the roster plus X goalies. I guess goalies are different than normal people, so there's no limits on goalies. You can have three, four, five, eight goalies if you got them in your organization. Uh, but the issue being uh, the uh, uh, there's not that much room on the ice for that many goalies. And also every goalie you add to the team, you have to take away one of your team personnel because your overall contingent has to be 50 people or, or under. So okay. uh, you, uh, at a certain point, you're going to be cutting out the video coach or, you know, something that some guy that you probably want in there. So there's, there, there's a, there's an upper limit on goalies, but uh, uh, there's also the opportunity, for instance, the Oilers could, uh, uh, bring in uh, a youngster like Olivier Rodrigue, give him the experience of of being in an NHL dressing room when the, in playoff time, and with no expectation whatsoever that he would ever have to play. Whereas I think with the 28 skaters, they want to have guys that can help them, right? I mean, there's 
there's no limit on goal. Like I'm projecting they will have two extra goalies. Um, and they could add Rodrigue or not, depending on wh whether they wanted to. But I'm not on board with this idea that they might bring in players that are nowhere near ready to give them this bit of pro experience. I think they want to go with the guys they have who, who could play and help uh, help the team. So, so uh, Bruce, yep. you have. Um, let's not talk about the like the everyone on the Oilers roster at the end of okay. the year. Like they're going to be. Yep. Let's just talk about the sixth line and fifth pairing as you describe yep. it. Yep. And the candidates for that. So you have Tyler Benson, Marcus Granlin, Thomas Yurcho, William Logason, and Evan Bouchard. Mm -hmm. And you don't have, um, let me just go through your list of who you don't have here. Ryan McLeod, Brad Malone, um, Kiro Maximov, Josh Curry, Cooper Marodi, Joe G Gambardella. Um, so just why do you, why did you pick, like, I guess, the, the questions that I have, why Grant, do you think it'll be Grandlin? I mean, he would make the most sense, but again, there's yeah. this issue with Russia. And I, I just think they mm -hmm. might pick Ryan McLeod over, they might. over Grandland. Okay. And that would be my only, that'd be my only debating point with you. I think that they might pick Ryan McLeod over, over Grandland. McLeod was the closest one of, uh, in my mind, to making that 28 skaters list. And in fact, I had him in there and then I found out that Thomas Yurcho's uh, hip injury was was uh, he was supposed to be ready to go at the end of March, so he is, certainly should be ready by now. Yeah. And I thought between a guy that's never played an NHL game versus a guy with over 200 NHL games that was on the team earlier this year, was playing well in Bakersfield, and then he got hurt. Uh, at that, Ken Holland knows well, and that he's one of Ken's pros. You know, that's got uh, a bunch of hockey under his belt. Uh, my inkling is that um, uh, Holland would prefer to go with uh, uh, with the older player for this uh, stretch run. I mean, we're talking about potential fill-in guys here, uh, but let's say they did have a couple of injuries on the wing. Would you be uh, more comfortable with um, Thomas Yurcho stepping in or with Ryan McLeod, who's never played an NHL game? And I think from Ken Holland's point of view, the answer to that is fairly straightforward. You know who I would pick? Joe mm -hmm. Gambardella over both of them. Like if I wanted yeah. to win a playoff, an NHL playoff game, mm -hmm. I would hands down pick Joe Gambardella over Thomas Yurcho or Marcus Granlin or Tyler Benson or any of those guys. Because mm -hmm. watching Gambardella in the playoffs last year, um, he was a force. He just he he brought that physical, hardworking game, um, and and put him on a fourth line. He'll just he will just work like crazy. He'll hit. He, he'll be the ultimate energy player. And I would, I just think he could have more of an impact. I like Tyler Benson, actually. I, I, I might go with Benson because Benson's a much better hockey player than Joe Gambardella at this point, I think. But um, Gambardella, just if you want to win a game, he's a, he's a veteran player. I would go with him over over your Cho. But I don't yeah, think they'll do that. Yeah, he had a poor year, and he, you know, he, he he never played an NHL game this year. And that part of what I leaned towards was the guys that were on the team this year. And uh, in fact, of my 28 skaters, only one, Evan Bouchard, didn't play a game in the NHL this year. He did get called up, but he just watched from the press box. Uh, but he's clearly the organization's top prospect, and he's a guy that you could see a situation where they would say, "Okay, Evan, you're." get in there and play uh, and these you know he's got that and you, there is the aspect of 
given that young player that chance. And he's at that stage in his career where it would be a good experience for him. Whereas, say, Philip Broberg, uh, who's a year behind uh, uh, Bouchard, I just don't see the rush in, in uh, using one of those roster spots just to give him the experience of playing. But uh, everyone but, uh, but um, Bouchard on, on the list that I picked and of the pick, list of guys that I said were, you know, in the conversation, but ultimately not there. Only one of them did play any NHL games this year, and that is the disgraced Brandon Manning, who I think is really not in the plans. I just put his name there because he was an NHL experienced player, but I do not think he'll be in the mix. So I lean towards NHL experience because I think that's the way Ken Holland leans. I think your list but, is I mean, it's just It's now. just a guess, yeah. right? So your guess. List is so I'll be interested to see how close it is. I mean, the, the team had had uh, 23 skaters um, were on the roster when the season ended, uh, 21 on the active roster, and then the two guys that were hurt, uh, uh, Mike Green and, and Joachim Nigard, that both should be ready to go well in advance of when they actually even start camp. So I, I, I think, think that whole team is here, and it's just five more skaters to that. I think um, you, you listed them based in your projected 32-man roster on um, time on ice in the regular season. And in the last then, game. I just I just used the last game. I thought lines okay. and pairings. People are asking about lines and pairings. That's premature. Let's start with a big team and then whittle our way down. We do have a few blog posts to write between now and the next time they actually enough, play a let's game. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So then. I thought, let's use what Dave Tippett saw as his team in the last game they played and just list them the way they were used in that game. Uh, put the extra roster players, which was five guys, and they each happened to play one of the five positions. So that's sort of one layer of, of extras. And then the last five was a second layer of extra, extras from Bakersfield. And, and uh, the, the, you know, that's Scranland and Yurcho and, and, uh, and Bouchard and Lagesson. And Benson. And Benson, I think, is there on merit as a good prospect who did play NHL games. Played very well. And just close, you know. So. Played really well in the NHL, Bruce. I thought he was a solid two-way player. He, he gave up very little defensively and was making good passes and looked strong out there. Bruce, who is your – I'm going to give you my dark horse candidate for okay. the surprise – like the player no one's ever thought of who could, who could star for the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And my pick is – Shane Starrett. It's got star right in his name, David. <laughs> Hidden in plain view. That's right. <laughs> like a code. Um, why do I pick Shane Starrett? Because he's, listen, you, you, it would mean both other guys, that Koskinen and Smith, were injured, which is hopefully doesn't happen, but is always a possibility. Shane Starrett also went through a tough season, injury-riddled season. But last year, he was fantastic in Bakersfield. Yes. He's 25, 26 uh, years old. He's an experienced goalie. He's an experienced AHL goalie. He had a huge, he was the team's best player the previous season when Bakersfield was such a good team. And if they needed a goalie and if he's healthy right now, if he comes back and he's healthy, he's capable of winning games at the NHL level, I think. And he could come in and he could, he could give the Oilers solid goaltending in a playoff game. So that's why, uh, like, if people that you're not thinking of, that no one's thinking of, on that mm-hmm. on that list, I'm going to pick him as the dark horse candidate to be a playoff hero for the Edmonton Oilers. 
Yeah, well, Starrett, I mean, as soon as I looked at the goalie situation, said there's unlimited goalies. And, I mean, in theory, the Oilers could bring up all four of their goalies from Starrett to um, uh, Stuart Skinner to uh, Dylan Wells to Olivia Rodrigue. Uh, but I'm thinking Starrett started the season as the organization's number three uh, which he clearly was last year. He had health issues, but he's had three months to recover. Bring him in, but in no world do you only bring him in and no other goalie because no, you sure. can't rely on his his physical well-being. So you bring in another of the young goalies to be, you know, a stand-in as a as a uh, a guy who, you know, in a desperate emergency should be healthy, and that would be Stuart Skinner, just based on the usage in the AHL this year. He played quite a lot, and Dylan Wells didn't play much, and none of them had a good year, you know. The no. guy who had the best year was Olivier Rodrigue in junior, but he's, you know, he's he's nowhere close to being NHL ready. This Will you year. pick as a dark horse candidate to be a playoff hero, Bruce, on, your, on that list? On the bottom list? Yeah. Oh, uh, playoff hero, huh. Yeah, uh, um, I'll go with Evan Bouchard, just for fun. Just for fun. So he could get in if, like, if, if heaven help us, Bear and Clefbaum got hurt and they needed someone to run the power play. Mm -hmm. Evan Bouchard, I, I'd over anyone else still on the roster, including Mike Green, I'd pick Evan Bouchard. And, um, yeah, I could see that. He could score a big goal in that situation. Mm. And he's a good hockey player. Yeah, but each of those guys has a you know one one layer of replacements above him, with yeah. the regular team above that. So uh, the odds of any of them individually getting in is low. But I you know I expect we'll see. Uh, certainly, if Edmonton plays any number of games, at some point one of these guys will get in. You know, Grandland or Yurcho or somebody will get in and play a couple of games just because they're down a court. You know. So Bruce Edmonton has been mentioned repeatedly as a site for the NHL, possible site for this, uh, the hub, as Ken Holland calls it, to be to be the hub mm -hmm. for a 12-team uh, playoff. And I, I, I kind of think that's exciting. Like, I know that probably, almost certainly fans couldn't go, but I just, I still think it would be super exciting to have this activity in Edmonton and a uh, great distraction and... Um, all kinds of talk about hockey. And I'm kind of on the fence, I, I, I'm whether we're going to get it or not. I don't have any strong mm -hmm. feeling about it. But because I think that there might be other jurisdictions where the, again, where the health rules in Trump's America are a little more lax, a little less exacting than in Canada. There's a little bit of trouble with the federal government right now. Will they mm -hmm. give the players, you know, a way to come in where they can start practicing immediately is the issue, essentially, as a group. And I think there's a way around that, and I, I hope they resolve that. But Edmonton's a good pick for a lot of reasons, I think. Yeah, well, I guess the the idea is to bring them in as a group, right? That share yeah. the same, uh, you know, the same air, so to speak. My sister calls her immediate family unit a germ pod. Yeah, everybody like in own. the germ pods, you know, they can do stuff together, yeah, more or less as normal. And it's their interaction with the outside world that they have to be careful with. And I mean, entourage is a 50 people is a pretty large germ pod, but if you have a strict protocol in place of how you're going to accomplish that, uh, that may be a, that may be a workaround. And 
you know, the, they, I mean, the feds need to be convinced, but you know what, that's a good thing. I would rather, you know, they, they give a hard look at the, you know, the situation and that, you know, the authorities at the various levels do to make sure it's safe for Edmontonians. Uh, but uh, the the site, my understanding is that the NHL loves the, the site, that the Oilers have a more complete uh, proposal than, than anybody. You know, they have that downtown, uh, you know, th- their own hub with, uh, you know, the rink, the, the Marriott, everything, and the same headway. And I'm guessing there's probably more than a couple downtown restaurants that would welcome the site of uh, rich hockey players uh, in their establishment if uh, they could uh, work their way into the, into the uh, you know, the places to go. And there you may book well whole be restaurants, hmm? you know, you could book a whole, you could book, yeah. you could book three or four restaurants and just have the, the teams rotating from restaurant to restaurant. You know, you'd have to, again, there's the, the you'd have to be careful with the quarantine and the servers and stuff, but yeah, right. that's a good point, Bruce. Yeah. Plus there's so, the Canadian dollar issue that really is a yeah. advantage of the Oilers, right? Cause they want us, the NHL wants to save money. The Canadian dollar is really low right now. So if they come up here, um, yeah. The, the cost will be a lot less. Um, there's very little chance of, of actually contracting COVID from an Edmontonian right now because hardly any of us have it. So uh, well, it's let's hope a lot it going for Edmonton. Into, yeah. 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 It, yeah it, it is a, it, you know, there's, there is a lot, uh, there is a lot in favor of it. I mean, uh, the NHL was blown away with the bid for reasons. And some of them are that, you know, the general public health of, of Northern Alberta is, has been excellent at times that have been very stressful in other parts of the world. So uh, it's, I mean, as a fan, I'm going to watch the game on TV and it doesn't much matter to me where they're going to be played, but uh, uh, I can understand why uh, uh, those uh, uh, closer to the team would, would want it to be here. And certainly uh, uh, Daryl Cates with his huge investment in the ice district, sorry, in ice district, no, the an ice district. <laughs> this big investment in ice district, uh, that would be a win for him, and I think that's what they're angering towards. But that's uh, I've I've even heard that the Oilers gave on the uh, uh, on the playoff structure to curry favor in other areas. Now, who knows what's true and what's oh, not? Oh, I haven't but, heard uh, that rumor. McDavid himself. Uh, is on NHL.com saying that uh, uh, Oilers made a sacrifice as the only second-place team in the play-in round. So, but he doesn't say, really say why. To get the, to get so, the playoffs going, because he wants yeah. to win the Stanley Cup. All I know is if Dallas winds up getting a, get, being a hub, it'll be a real kick in the junk after Dallas sees the way into the... Oh, yeah, it's a 10-team list. It's or a 10-city list. Yeah, and I think LA is on it for goodness sake. LA. I, I think the NHL likes likes their leverage over cities and governments, and uh, you know they want them jumping through hoops in order to get this as much as possible. And some of that's needed with government. I mean, with you know governments can move a little slowly and be a little cumbersome too. So it's yep. they've got a you know it's a game they're playing to get the best deal, and and the governments um, uh, of course they they politicians want this you know interestingly we've had both ivis and don ivis and the mayor and jason kenny the premier say they want this but i have not yet heard excuse me from uh, trudeau um make the same kind of statement so i'm i'm looking forward to that and i think we're going to hear it, it 
I would be surprised if we didn't. Bruce, NHL.com has mm-hmm. voted the runaway MVP. So the writers of NHL.com had a vote. The runaway MVP winner for the 2019-20 season is Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. That surprised you, Bruce? I, I think he got, what was it, 12 out of 18 first place votes with four going to Nathan McKinnon and one each to McDavid and is it Pasternak? Mm-hmm. McDavid, eh? Yeah, McDavid got one, but Leon kind of walked walked away uh-huh. with that. So that was uh, that was very nice to see, yeah. Uh, let me see who else got some votes here. Okay. Yeah, well, um, he. I, I saw a different poll uh, that was run by one of the NHL Twitter feeds. Yeah. And they had they had four names on their poll, which is limit on a Twitter poll. And uh, uh, it was Panarin, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, and Pasternak, and. At the time, there was several thousands of votes, and I can't remember the exact numbers other than I know Leon had 73%. So as one of four, to have three quarters of the vote is a convincing runaway. And clearly those are the, you know, the best candidates. You know, it's fascinating, Bruce, because like it's there's that whole kind of issue of being most valuable to your team. So when you have Connor McDavid on your team and you're seen as the runaway leader for yeah. MVP to be the most valuable on a team that already has Connor McDavid. That's quite a season that Leon Dreisaitl had. So I'll just quickly run down a few things and then I'm going to ask you what something you wrote about Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he finished with 110 points, 13 yep. points ahead of McDavid's 97. He got 1.55 points per game. That's the fourth highest points per game total this century, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people who have who have had higher totals, Mary Lemieux, 2001, Sidney Crosby, 2011, and Nikita Kucherov, 2019-2018-19 season. And, and they, uh, yeah, he got 1.56, drive settle 1.55, and Lemieux up there at 1.77. Um, he, he had his problems um, on defense now and then, but when the orders needed a penalty killed off, especially a, a th- three on five situations, he was out there. He played more minutes than any NHL forward. He had um, the second toughest quality of competition of any player on the Oilers behind only McDavid. Um, he, he played every game. He's only missed four games in four years. Yeah. When McDavid was out um, for six yeah, games in February, that's when he cemented when his, he made case, his move, 12 sure. points in six games and the winners mm-hmm. won three of them and, and had an overtime loss and they kept in the playoff race in those six games. Mm-hmm. Most impressive though, like I think in terms of most valuable to your team, you're looking for someone who drives your team into the playoffs. That seems to be the NHL definition of an MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, make Dreisaitl did that leading his line. His, his line was the best line in the NHL. There's just, there's, I don't think there's any argument about it. They had a goals for percentage, the dynamite line of 76.9%. Compare that to the Braden Point Kucherov Stamkos line, 67%. And the perfection line in Boston, 
63.3 goals for percentage. So Drysdale, Yamamoto, and, and Nugent Hopkins were the best line in the NHL. And Bruce, this is where where you come in. That the article you wrote on the close games in the NHL um, was the icing, like it was it was the the final nail in this argument, hammering it down. Um, to, to prove that this guy was just unbelievable for the Oilers in the biggest game. So what did you find in that? Uh, yeah, when you looked I, at these I, big games. I, I, yeah, I, I chose sort of a subcategory of big games, but it was the Oilers' ability to nip losing streaks in the bud. And they had something like 10 two-game losing streaks, but only once did they lose that third game and, and take a slide. Uh, you know, they, I think they had a four-game losing streak. And otherwise, all year long, they never lost more than two in a row. And often, even one of those two, they got a point. Uh, and in the third game, Leon was a monster. Like, time after time, he'd, you know, deliver. Uh, I, th I think there was four different games I identified that Oilers were trailing in the third game and really on the on the verge of, you know, going down that slippery slope. And, and they turned the game around and won it. And... Uh, couple times it was, you know, Drysaddle scored the tying goal and the winning goal uh, to, uh, to to pull the Oilers back from the, from the brink. And uh, uh, he just seemed to chip in with important points at key times. And, you know, the MVP race, like, it's, it's an interesting sort of amalgam. Like, you can't do it just from stats. And you can't do it just from the eye test. It has to be sort of a combination of the two. And, uh, I mean, there's a narrative to the MVP, you know, like you say, the guy driving his team into the playoffs. And it's like picking the three stars of the game. Do you pick the guy that had the best, uh, you know, Corsi that night? Or the, do you pick the guy, uh, you know, contributed the big plays that helped his team win? And it's almost always door number two. Well, like I say, I prefer some, some kind of balance. But when you look at the stats and when you see Leon you know, leading the leading the league in points, leading the league in assists and power play points and game-winning goals uh, in ice time for forwards, and shooting percentage, all these different types of categories, big face-off man on his team, uh, you know, not the best in the league, but, uh, but uh, very important within his own team structure and that function. Like, he just does so many different things. And the team did turn around, and actually, once they separated from McDavid, uh, he performed better than ever. And, you, I mean, you make the case, and it's a good one, and this is a tough, tough, tough choice for any coach facing the Oilers, right? you got the dry saddle on one line and McDavid on the other. Okay, who are you going to use your top pairing against, right? If they're both on the same line, it's a pretty easy decision. When they're not, well, okay, we want to stop McDavid? Okay, Leon, have at her. And that's a lot of what happened. I mean, McDavid deserves credit for soaking up the tough minutes but uh but uh, leon kicked butt with his own minutes and uh when the two of them were together which was on you know still on the power play uh they were lethal so it's kind of the best of both worlds and, and uh lots of credit to dave Tippett for kind of figuring out the the formula and getting it uh effective because as you say those 30 games from new year's eve when uh they split them and put them on separate lines they played 30 games the Oilers lost eight of those games in regulation, 17, 8, and 5. So they were competitive basically almost every night. I wonder if there is a redraft of the entire NHL right now. Um, <laughs> I think McDavid will be the first overall pick. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. But I think Leon Dreisettle 
might be the second overall pick. What do you think, think? Chris? Is that? I think he would be. Hmm. What do you think? He'd be he'd be on the very short list. Let's put it that way. I think a lot of people would like Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I think you know there's. Um, uh, I mean Austin Matthews. Don't forget the great Austin Matthews. He only was he only finished thirty points behind Leon, you know, but he did have a game in hand. So you never know. Is not a center, right? He so, is a center. Oh, is he, he is a center? center. Yeah, oh, yeah. Forty-three percent face-off percentage, face-off wins. He's a center. Yeah. I did okay. I thought he was a winner. Uh, shows what I know. Uh, He's yeah, turning center with. Uh, you know, uh, some people would pick Nathan McKinnon. You're right. Mm-hmm. He he was on the fi- you know he was on, he's going to be in the finals for the uh, for the Hart McKinnon and Colorado had a very strong year. But, yeah, when you, um, Pasternak's a winger. He's a great player, obviously. Mm-hmm. Panarin's a winger, great player. Marchand is a, a great player. He's a little older. Um, yeah, for a redraft, I mean that that's where. That's where age would come into it. So you're obviously getting rid of, you know, anyone under over 25 is or 26 is probably not higher on the list. But, Unless uh, you're picking for one year. It's like a hockey draft. If you're in a keeper league, you have a different strategy than if you're, you know, just one year and you throw them all back in. Uh, yeah. Marchand is at the very high end of, uh, of, you know, he's had 385 plus point years in a row, I believe. And, you know, that's high high end scoring. With great penalty killing and uh, sort of bonus being obnoxious, you know. I mean, he's got it all. <laughs> be great to see Drysaddle go up against McKinnon in the playoffs. Wow, that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. What a great series Oilers Avs would be. Hope we get to see that. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Any other thoughts, or were we going to talk about anything else? Did I say we were going to talk about the Chicago defense or not? I can't remember. Let's just uh, wait. We'll hold off yeah. on that one. Okay. we got lots yeah, of time, got to, lots talk of, lots of time to analyze the, the Blackhawks. This is the first in, in history where we got sort of two months to preview one playoff series. <laughs> so, I mean, so even for it, people like us, Bruce, mm-hmm. that's a long time. Like, you know, we like to dig in fairly deeply to things. But even mm-hmm. for us, that is a lot of analysis. Uh, we can do it. Well, this lines and pairings, I'm thinking I'm going to write one post about the lines and a different post about the pairings and then maybe a third post about who should be the starting goalie. There's a thought. Rather than burning all of that good topic material in a single post. Well, I think you should do, actually what you should do is who's going to be the first line, who's going to be the second line. That's what you should do. And then, so you could get like eight posts out of it. Because, listen, you'll... I know that level of detail you go into on each of those posts. So when you're writing about who should be the first line, you'll have plenty there for a post. I have no doubt about that. Speaking of posts, you know who led the NHL in goal posts? Leon Dreisaitl. And that? by far the leading Edmonton Oilers for one-timer shots. I think he had mm-hmm. like four more one-timer shots than any other Edmonton Oilers. And a lot of those posts were on those wicked one-timer shots where the goalie's just at his mercy, essentially. And it's whether he can you know thread the needle or not right. what a great what a great player and um and and bruce a favorite always a favorite of yours and mine although uh i might have had a few rants about his defensive play mm-hmm. in december as i recall although i was also mad at the coach at that point for keeping that line we were mad at mike smith we were mad at a few people at that point because things yeah. were gone 
things were going down what seemed to be a familiar cliff at that uh, point in time. And then uh, yeah. that that one big move by Tippett was a season turner. Well, uh, Holland brought up Yamamoto and Tippett found the new line combos and that the, the team turned north right then and there. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to these playoffs. All right, mm. Bruce, thanks for talking today. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.